what I'm trying to say is I, I wanted things to be almost like like a few seconds of a video or of cine, but captured in a still, trying to capture all of those sort of millionths of a second in sort of like a second and a half. And what would that look like? Would that convey what I'm actually seeing in my mind? This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today today we are taking a complete left turn. We are doing fine art. We're doing intentional camera movement. We are going to have a lot of fun, and we're talking with one of the master practitioners of it, Stuart Graham. Stuart is in the UK. He's in Devon County on the south coast of the island, and you know his work from the Frames Facebook page. It, it's unmistakable. It's beautiful. It's evocative. It is fine art photography, I think, uh, at its very best. Stuart, welcome. How are you doing over there today? Yes, I'm good, Scott. Thanks for having me on. It, it's my pleasure. There's an awful lot that I want to talk about, in, not only in terms of your work, but in, in the technique of it and the aesthetic of it. But one of the questions I always, you know, find immensely fascinating is how people came to the particular vision that they have. Um, you say on your website that when you were 13, your, your older brother gave you a camera. And at that moment, you knew you were going to be a professional photographer. Tell me about that. Why, why that moment? Something just clicked. He bought a Zenith EM or a Zenith E, I think it was. And I asked if I could, you know, if I could have a hold of it. And he said, yep, but, you know, make sure you don't drop it. <laughs> and um, I was sat on the on the sofa next to him and I, I framed his head. And that was just it. it. It was like almost like an epiphany. It was like, this is what I want to do from now on. But how how did you know? I mean, we're, we're in the pre-digital age here, so the, you didn't have an image to look at afterwards. What is it about the act of framing that got you excited there? It was just one of those things. I just thought, this is amazing. And he'd already explained to me, you know, how an SLR works. Mm -hmm. You know, the light comes through the lens, it hits the mirror, goes through the prism. And what you see in the viewfinder is what you will see. Yeah, that was it. I thought, wow, you know, we can we can capture things just like this. This is this is fantastic. Do you remember getting that first roll of film back? Yeah, he showed me. It was slightly soft, you know, <laughs> but um, I was still quite excited. Back in the days of film, it was it was always very exciting, wasn't it? Waiting a week or so for your for your prints to arrive in the envelope, or go down to the local the local drugstore. It's just a fascinating thing. You, you, you claim on your website that four years later you left school you and you went to a commercial studio and you convinced them to you know to take you on there. So this really did become a, a life-orienting passion for you. Tell me about that first job. Tell me about printing the black and white stuff. Oh, yeah. I went to a couple of the commercial studios that we had in Newcastle at the time. And I asked, you know, how, how do I get to work here? And they all said, well, you can, you know, you can go away to college for three years and you can come here after that and start sweeping the floors and running to the, running to the lab 
and, you know, making the tea for everybody. Or I could come back on Monday and start sweeping the floors and making the tea and running to the lab. <laughs> um, so that's what I did. And this was, I suppose nowadays you would call it an internship. You know, there was no, mm-hmm. no pay. And I, I think that was just to prove how keen and enthusiastic you really were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I did. And I don't know, about six, seven months later, one of the assistants who used to print the black and white stuff, he left and I sort of fell into his job. The black and white stuff, mainly for local press, local real estate agents, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to, we used to do catalogs for various clothing manufacturers and Berghaus uh, equipment, that sort of thing, because they were based in the Northeast at the time. Yeah, I just took it from there. Do you remember what you were shooting back then? What, what your, your photographic taste was? Oh, I was just into anything at the time. I would go down to the local harbor, the local fish key, and take pictures of, you know, dead fish and fishing boats and boxes and anything, really. I just wasn't bothered. As long as I was behind a camera, I I felt quite happy. You have certainly developed a style. You have certainly developed a a persona or a voice in your photography with the intentional camera movements and and with the seascapes and such. Tell me how that came into your practice, how that came into your vision of yourself as an artist. Well, I used to shoot just, I suppose, what you call regular long exposures, plunking the camera on a tripod and nature take its course for two or three minutes. And that was okay. I just had this not this sort of gnawing feeling, something gnawing at me that it just wasn't quite right. It just wasn't enough. I'd be on the beach in, say, like um, a storm or something, and giving it 30, 60 seconds, it was just flattening out the sea. And I'm like, well, this isn't what I saw. This isn't right. And I just thought, well, you know, how can I show what I'm feeling at this minute? How can I show how wild the weather is? What, what do I do? And it dawned on me that everything around me is moving. The sky is moving. It's a windy day. The water is coming at me. And I thought, well, let's show that, shall we? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 30, 60 seconds was way too long. And something, you know, like a hundredth of a second that was just showing a tiny part of what was actually going on. And I thought, okay, as you're probably aware that our eyes have a shutter speed of about a hundredth of a second. And that wasn't capturing enough of the scene for me. And I thought, okay, let's experiment with, with our shutter speed here. And most of the stuff you see, it's in between, I would say, half a second and three seconds, all of my work. Uh, I, I'm jealous as, as I'll get out here. Sitting in the middle of the United States, where there's you know an ocean is several thousand miles away, and the ability to sit there and go after those those emotions that you are representing in your piece. You said at the very beginning that you you weren't able to photograph what you were feeling, and and that's different than photograph what what you were seeing. What what is it that you are taking photographs of? And and you know don't say the ocean. You know what what is it that you're really trying to capture? Oh. That's a tough one. I suppose I'm just trying to capture the the sort of essence of what is is going on around me. If it's stormy, that's what I want to show. And 
like I say, what I find is, you know, the, the shutter speeds I choose tend to show that. They, they'll show the movement of the water. What I'm trying to say is I, I wanted things to be almost like like a few seconds of a video or of cine, but captured in a still, trying to capture all of those sort of millionths of a second in sort of like a second and a half. And what would that look like? Would that convey what I'm actually seeing in my mind? That is, I have not heard it expressed that way before. And I think you just hit it dead on there to try and get several seconds compressed in, into one still image. That's exactly the feeling I've got looking at your stuff, that there's this sort of kinetic dynamic motion going on. And yet there it is. It's just a still. Walk me through a normal day at the beach. Well, you know, the, the setup you've got, you know, how you go about determining your frame, you know, the, the composition elements, because waves are not static. I mean, you, you can't say I'm going to, you know, point my camera just this way and wait for it. T tell me how you go about capturing that image or any image. Well, I, I go out a lot, you know, like I say, it's the beach is very nearby and I'll go down there and I will see what is happening on various parts of the beach. Here in the UK, on the South Coast, we're lucky to have the tide is anywhere between sort of 1.5 meters to sort of 5.5 meters. So we have a lot of water to play with, you know, depending on where the tide is, etc. And depending on the wind direction, that makes a huge difference as to what you're going to be able to shoot. And I will go out. I tend to go out unless I'm teaching. I'll go out alone. I just find it's hard to create stuff when you're chatting about the football or, or whatever, you know, or politics. And I just sort of, I get, I try and get myself absorbed in the scene as much as possible. And there tends to be only me on the beach. You know, I, I try and go out as early as I can. As long as I've got some light to play with, I'll, I'll go out very early. And what makes a difference is, is getting very, very close to the scene, okay? I've always got either Wellington boots or waders on, so I'm not ever going to get that wet, you know? But that mm -hmm. allows me to get in the surf, you know, to be, to be part of it all, rather than just standing back, you know, 50 yards with a longer lens. Equipment-wise, I've got a Canon DSLR, and I have a very, very old Sigma 12 to 24 <laughs> millimeter a lot of my shots sometimes shot waist height and this is all handheld by the way mm -hmm. there's sometimes waist high knee high or sometimes um literally i don't know maybe six inches above the surf at 12 millimeter and i've, I've tried it on a tripod which is it's okay but some of the pictures you see it's it's actually the, the sort of latter part of the exposure is me whizzing the camera out the way so it, it doesn't get, you know, engulfed in a wave. Um, and that, that can look quite effective, you know. You know the expression, you know, you, you, only get, you only get out of something what you put into it. I study to see how the, the water is coming in, how it's reacting with other waves going back out, etc. And to see how the waves are interacting with each other and if you look closely enough, the, the waves will form patterns and shapes. 
And if you move with those shapes, that's how you can create what, what I seem to get. What, what, do you, what do you mean by moving with those shapes? I mean, are, are you dan- dancing in the waves there? Are you, are you moving left and right? Well, tell me, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say dancing, but I will move with the wave. I will concentrate on, say, one tiny, say, like a tiny bubble in a wave. And I will follow that with my camera until it is gone. Oh, my. I think it makes a difference. I remember years ago watching a documentary about quantum physics, and it started off by explaining the double slit experiment. I know that one. Yes, which is the the sort of fundamental mystery, isn't it, of quantum mechanics, how particles, including light particles, will change their behavior whether they are being observed or not. And I think that plays a big part in what I do. I think if I wasn't looking at it so intently, it wouldn't be the same image. Oh, my. I, I want to talk about a couple of the images in particular, but a, a more general question first. A lot of your images really are focusing on that transition between surf and beach. That There is a border in a lot of the images. For me, as a viewer looking at at a fine arm print, that border becomes really emotionally evocative for me. Is it just because the waves are breaking there at the beach or is there something going on with your interest in that transition zone? Yeah, I think it's it's good to have a little bit of foreground. Um, Like I said, you know, I tend to go out very early and the the sand that we have on the beaches around here is, is quite dark. And when it's wet, it's uh, very, very dark. So in Lightroom, it's easy to make it black, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that gives the viewer something to look at before they see the, the real subject matter, which tends to be the wave or occasionally the sky. I'm looking at, at an image right now that you've called Meeting Point. Uh, do you know that one? I do indeed. Can, can you tell me, the, I mean, and, and I should tell everybody who's listening, I forgot to say this earlier, the website, uh, it's Stu Graham Photography, S-T-U, then G-R-A-H-A-M, photography.co.uk. You've got to go there. You've got to look at this stuff. This is beautiful, beautiful stuff. And Meeting Point is, is one of my favorites. If, if you remember, tell me the story of that shot. That was probably the only keeper, if you like, of the day. Sometimes it's very easy just to see, you think, well, there's not a lot going on and, you know, maybe I'll leave it for another day. Something always nags in my head from the days when I used to photograph things for, you know, for a boss, if you like, where the instructions would be, you know, make sure you come back with something decent. Um, (laughs) And so I, I will often stay out. The picture meeting point was simply that very little was happening. And a wave came in, and when it broke, and on the way back out, the two the two halves of the wave just sort of like slowly sort of like, you know, merged together, I suppose. Now, are you shooting at a fast frame rate, or is this, you know, click, click, click? No, I'll, on, a, on a typical day, I don't think I'll ever shoot more than 100 frames in an hour, say. Okay. And sometimes it's a lot, lot less. Sometimes if, you know, one of those days where 
the the sky's dark you know the the surf is white um i will be out there a lot longer the shutter speed that one you're looking at there i think is about 1.3 seconds if i remember correctly wow and yeah even with the long shutter speeds, you're getting a lot of exactness. You're, you're getting a lot of, of individual detail in these shots. Yes, I think, it's, I think it's just a question of timing, really. Again, like I said about, I move with the subject, you know? It's almost like as if you're following it, if you're panning it. For instance, if you'd pan, like, say, a race car, the race car would be sharp, uh, but the, ba- the background would be soft. And I suppose it's not exactly like that, but I suppose there's a bit of that in what I do. Because the subject, although, you know, it looks like I'm probably standing, I don't know, 20, 30 feet away, I probably wasn't more than sort of 10 foot away from that at the very most. What is it? Another one of my favorite photographers, Robert Kappa, the Hungarian war photographer, one Mm -hmm. of his his most famous quotes was, um, if your pictures aren't good enough, you're not close enough. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that, I think. Yeah, and, and I forget who said it, but there's the other saying too, zoom with your feet. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which, you know, those, those are some of the first quotes everybody learns and for a reason. They remain profound and, and good instruction. I want to talk about one, one of your other shots because meeting point is, it's, it's dark. Low key would be wrong, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of black in it, the, you know, the blue of the ocean setting off the, the white of the surf. But... You have a lot of warm tone photography as well. You have an image here that you call Equinox Dawn. Tell, tell me the story of that one and how that wound up so much different than the other one. Yes, I, th- I think it's a case of I'll try and get the best out of whatever's in front of me. This particular morning, as you can see, there is very, very little going on in the water. The sun had just came up. This was quite a recent one. This was early January sometime. And the colors the colors were lighting up and thankfully that with the wet sand you can see that reflection going on and we have the lines the lines of the harbor in the background and again that was probably 1.6 seconds and just just a sort of steady pan from left to right which doesn't always work when you've got sun in the sky because it can work against you because you, you end up just with sort of burnt out stripes, if you like, which never looked good. There was still just a, a little bit of cloud just as the sun came up. So I, I knew I could get away with it. And yeah, the colors, the colors, they were just there, you know? So you don't pre-imagine your work as, as being cool tone or warm tone, as being dark or as being light. It, it literally is, let me see what this day brings. Yes, yes. I think if you have too much of a preconceived idea of what you're going to shoot that day, you're just sort of creating barriers for yourself, really. Um, Because, you know, Mother Nature, she's often got way different ideas to what you have. (laughs) And, um, you know, and she's always going to win the argument. So, yeah, you just have to go with the flow, really. And being in the UK, you know, our weather is infamously terrible couple of years ago i thought right you know i I don't want to stay indoors i want to go out and i want to shoot i want to shoot terrible weather and show people that you know there is beauty in the storm you don't have to hide away you know if you're warm and dry you can go out in any any weathers you know as uh, as billy Connolly once said 
there's no such thing as bad weather, just the wrong kind of clothing. <laughs> and um, and he's right, I think. Yeah, and, and good weather ceiling on your camera too. Um, yes. I, I want I want to talk about one more picture, and and this is my personal favorite, and and this is the one called Winter Flow, and I'm looking at it right now, and you know I've I've been thinking all along this is in black and white, but now I'm not entirely so sure. It's a gorgeous photograph, gorgeous image. Is that actually in black and white, or is that just the way that looked that morning? Almost. It, as you can see, it was an overcast morning. And, you know, the, the rule of thumb, you know, if the weather's terrible, make it black and white, give it something. I normally, when I'm in Lightroom, pretty sure, because as you can see, it's not quite black and white. What I would do is I would click on the desaturated contrast button, which takes out the majority of any color, but it leaves a little hint of it in there. Probably one of, one of the tools in Lightroom I use the most of, I would say. Well, I, I do want to ask about post-production and whether or not uh, you do an awful lot of it. I mean, you don't set up a bunch of lights on the beach, so there's, there's not an awful lot technically going on you know, during the shooting. Talk to me about post-production. Talk to me about you know, the dehaze slider or cropping. How worked are these images? I have a rule. I mean, there's a couple of things. I know nothing whatsoever about Photoshop. It comes with my Adobe package, and I opened it once, and I seen all the buttons around the side, and it just scared the life out of me. <laughs> but I tend to edit because I'm old school and used to shoot film, etc., and print my, print my own stuff. I think even in Lightroom, I think well, I'm only going to process it as far as what I could do by hand. You know, back in the day, I can dodge and burn. I can make it more contrastier by, you know, using a higher grade of paper, say, and I can crop it and straighten it. And that is more or less it. My favorite, favorite, favorite button in Lightroom is probably the texture button. That will help bring out tiny little bits of detail in the surf and bring the image back to life, I think, if you will. I tend to crop things old school, you know, the rule of thirds. Obviously, make sure the horizon's straight. Just contrast. Some of my color pictures, I may have a little play with the saturation bar, sometimes to take a bit out, actually. Mm -hmm. um, the clarity button, if I want something to look more dreamlike, I will actually reduce the clarity. When I'm doing my uh, online tutorials and we get to the Lightroom bit, you know, people are you know, they're sort of quite amazed. It's like, well, what is that it? You know, I was, I was expecting to be, you know, writing down <laughs> notes forever. I was like, no, there's, you know, there's no real need. I want to get things right in camera as much as I can. I'm not a fan of playing around with things too much. To me, that's, well, you know, it's all well and good. And I've seen some very impressive results, but, you know, where things are, uh, there's lots of layers, et cetera, et cetera. That just doesn't interest me at all. Uh, well, and I'm glad to hear that. I think, that, you know, personally, I think the light touch is is almost always the best choice. One last question. I'm looking at this work, and and this is beautiful, beautiful work. If you talk to street photographers, you know, say, "What are you shooting?" You know, you know, I'm shooting tension, or I'm shooting contrast, or I'm shooting dynamism. You know, you you, you talk to other genres of photography about the emotion they're trying to evoke. Your beachscapes, your, your images here, 
really do have a strong emotional content. Talk to me a little bit more about how people have responded to your work and, and what you hope people are seeing in your work. I mean, on the whole, I do tend to get, you know, fairly positive, fairly positive responses from people. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone gets it, but that's fine. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Van Gogh. Other people, you know, think his work is terrible. <laughs> it, it, it's just horses for courses, isn't it? If what I do can raise a smile from someone, well, well, that's a good thing. If it can make them feel whatever, you know, if it can make them feel relaxed or happy, and that's a good thing, I would say. So are, are you are you looking to photograph a sense of peace and happiness? Is, is that the, the motivating desire behind your work? Oh, I, I, nobody's ever asked me that before, Scott. I'm not, really, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I will tend to sort of try and bring out some of the, the beauty which is there in the scene. Yeah. You know, it just, and if I can, you know, I can see it and I try my best to, to show the viewer, like, look, look, look what's in here. Because I think, I don't know who it was, it may have been Picasso, who said there are three types of people in this world. There are people who can see are people who can see once they've been shown and there are people who can't see. And I think think a lot of us will, you know, will fall into the second category, I think. And when I'm teaching, I'll say, look, if you do this, it gives this, this movement and this, this movement is, you know, it's, it's soft, you know, and they get more of a, they realize that they can show more of a feeling in an image rather than just, record what is actually there that feeling of an image is i think you know the holy grail for all of us no matter what genre we're dealing in and your work i mean you said a minute ago you're looking for the beautiful and and the beautiful may not always be peaceful but it but it is still compelling it is still something that that evokes a strong response from us and in your work i'm looking at an image right now called incoming in your work there is that as you said before that sense of kinetic that sense of of a dynamic thing going on and the two or three seconds that you would see in a film all compressed into a a still image it it is remarkable remarkable work tell me tell me what tell me what you're working on now and 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 i mean I don't think COVID has probably affected the beach too much. Tell me what's today and what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, COVID doesn't affect the beach at all. And in fact, you know, due to COVID, there have been no, no weddings, et cetera, for a year or so, which is what I used to pay sort of half my bills with, I would say. Like a lot of photographers, you, you sometimes photograph things you, you, know, you, you don't particularly want to shoot, but you will still give it your best shot. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment I'm still going out, you know, most mornings and I try not to try not to plan ahead too much. Some of the work that happens, you know, stuff I was shooting, I don't know, maybe two years ago looks different to the stuff I'm doing now, but without me really noticing it, unless you see the images side by side, I think I'm always looking, you know, th- that famous quote about, when a photographer is asked, you know, what is your favorite photograph you've taken? And the answer is the one I'm going to take tomorrow. Right. And I, I still, I think like a lot of people, a lot of photographers, you're never totally happy with what you've got. You might be happy for a day or a week or so, but you're always searching for that, 
you know, perhaps perfect image. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I hope that perfect image never comes because I don't know, then I might just have to hang up my camera. Oh, let's hope that doesn't happen. No, no, well, I, don't, I don't think it ever will. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. This has been fascinating. This is, as I've said already, this is beautiful work. I'm impressed as hell. And I've enjoyed this conversation. Likewise, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.